Our scripture text for today comes from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 38 to 44. Let us listen to God's word to us. When Elisha returned to Gilgal, there was a famine in the land. As the company of prophets was sitting before him, he said to his servant, Put the large pot on and make some stew for the company of prophets. One of them went out into the field to gather herbs, and he found a wild vine and gathered from it a lap full of wild gourds. And he came and he cut them up and put them in the pot of stew, not knowing what they were. They served some for the men to eat, but while they were eating the stew, they cried out, O man of God, there is death in the pot. They could not eat it. He said, Then bring some flour. And he threw it into the pot and said, Serve it to the people and let them eat. And there was nothing harmful in the pot. Now a man came from Baal Shalisha, bringing food from the first fruits to the man of God, twenty loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. Elisha said, Give it to the people and let them eat. But his servant said, How can I set this before a hundred men? So he repeated, Give it to the people and let them eat. For thus says the Lord, They shall eat and have some left. He set it before them. They ate and had some left according to the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord God, would you bless this reading of your word. Make our hearts ready to receive your message. In Christ's name, amen. So here we have two stories going on in 2 Kings. The first is the story of Elisha and a company of prophets. Elisha asks his servant to make a pot of stew so that they can all eat. So one man goes out, he files these wild gourds that are growing on a vine, he brings them back, he throws them in a pot, and he poisons the entire batch of stew. So Elisha, thinking fast, grabs flour, throws it into the pot, and now all of a sudden it's safe for everyone to eat. The second story, which is right after that one, is also about food. But in this story, there's a man who comes with his first fruits. Remember, those are the very first things that he harvested. He brings with him the first fruits of his grain, and he brings it to Elisha. And Elisha says, feed it to a hundred men. The servant says, there's not enough food for a hundred men. And Elisha says, don't worry, feed it to the men, and you will find that there will be some food left over. So here in 2 Kings, we have these two stories about food, one where a stew is depoisoned by flour, and we have the miraculous feeding of a hundred men. Let's see if we can't get into these texts and unlock a couple of things that these stories are about. In the first story, the whole piece about the wild gourds that are in the stew that poison everything is fascinating to me. It's fascinating because the land was in a time of famine. The fact that this company of prophets had any food to eat at all is remarkable. Why would a man go out searching for herbs to put in a pot of stew? Shouldn't they just eat what they have and be happy with the food that they have to eat? And then once he goes and finds these wild gourds and he throws them in the stew, 
There's no way to get them out. You can't get the gourds out. I'll never forget a story that Brian told me about his youth kids some years ago. They were baking a batch of brownies that would go to a homeless shelter, and everything was going well, which in its own case is sort of remarkable when you're cooking with a bunch of youth, but it was going well. They mixed the batter, they measured everything out, they baked them, they didn't burn them. They smelled good, they looked delicious, and they tasted awful. Absolutely awful. You see, what they had done is poured in several cups of salt instead of several cups of sugar. Yeah. Once you get that mixed in there, there is no getting that salt out of those brownies. It's the same reason why every recipe says, crack your eggs into a small bowl before you put them into the batter. Why? Well, in case the egg is rotten or in case you get shells when you crack the egg open, you don't want that in the batter. It'll ruin the batter. Once the cracked eggs with shells or once the rotten egg goes in, you can't get it out. Once those wild gourds went into the stew, there was no getting them out. And those eating the stew could taste that the gourds were not good. They could taste that they were poisonous. And they cried out, there is death in the pot. When wild gourds make it into our lives, it is impossible to get them out. We can't get the gourds out. There are desires that we have that are like these wild gourds. They are desires that are poisonous. Spurgeon, a theologian, puts it this way. You have been trying to find pleasure in the world, and you have found wild vines. You have gathered wild gourds, a lap full, almost a heart full. You have been shredding death into the pot, and now you cannot feel as you used to. The poison is stupefying your soul. If you are a worldling and not God's child, you can live on that which would poison. But a Christian, if you are a child of God, you will cry out, O man of God, there is death in the pot. We as believers cannot live off of the things of this world. They don't fit with God. They don't fit with the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. The things of God and the things of this world cannot both live within us. We cannot serve two masters. We must pick one. So if God is in your life, then the wild gourds of this world will poison you. They poison our lives. We cannot live off of the poisons and the desires for material goods. We cannot live off of the need for fame or success. We cannot live off of the desire for more and more wealth. We cannot live off of the desire for selfish relationships or the desires for status. These wild gourds will only poison the pot of stew. A stew that, frankly, might have been a little devoid of flavor, but it would have been full of nourishment. Once those wild gourds, once those desires are sown into our lives, we can't get them out. You know, I think it's often in times of famine that we're easily driven to fill our lives with these wild gourds, with these desires that are not of God. 
Just like these prophets in the time of famine were more susceptible to going out to fill our lives with something to fill the void. We might even be willing to set aside moral convictions or faithfulness to God for a little dash of wild gourds. Famine in our lives can drive us to want something a little more than a bland stew. What do I mean by famine in our lives? I mean a time where we don't feel God near. A time where reading the Bible is hard. A time where we feel downtrodden or we feel under attack. A time where a serious illness has grabbed a hold of someone that we love. Time where stresses and heartaches are just too much to bear. It's in these times that we think if I can just get some wild gourds into my life, then the famine will finally come to an end. If I can just have something more success or more wealth or more something, then the famine will end. Not so. The famine will not end, and the stew will be poisoned. Once you sow those wild gourds, you can't get them out. So what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do when we feel hungry, not necessarily physically, but spiritually and emotionally hungry? If we aren't supposed to go out to fill the void with these wild gourds that we find in the world, what are we supposed to do? I think that's where the second story comes in. In this story, we aren't told if we're still in a time of famine or if the time of famine has passed. All we know is that this man comes to Elisha bringing the first fruits of his grain. So in a time of famine... We wait, and we wait, and we wait, and we trust that God is in control, and we wait some more. And then finally, when the first fruits of our crops grow, first things in our lives to grow, we bring those things to God. No matter the famine, we bring to God all that belongs to God. No matter the famine, we give offerings to God. No matter the famine, we give to God the first fruits of our lives. See, when the man of from Baal Shalisha brought his first fruits to Elisha, God multiplied the offering and fed a group of a hundred men. Looks like the famine turned to feasting. It is so easy. It is so easy to go out in times of famine to fill our lives with wild gourds, with the desires of the world, but in doing that, we will find poison and ultimately death. When we wait and wait and when the harvest finally comes in, we go and we fill someone else's life with the blessings that we have been given. And then we will find a feast. Our impulse is to tell the guy who went out and found the wild gourds on his own that it's his problem, that it's his fault. We want to blame him. He was the one who poisoned the stew in the middle of the famine. He was the one that went out searching for the things of the world to fill him. It's his problem. We can't get off the hook that easily. You see, it wasn't just the one who went out to get the wild gourds. 
that was poisoned, and it wasn't just the one who gave his first fruits that feasted. Both actions affected the entire community, either for good or for bad. It would be like someone in here going out and rolling in a pile of mud and getting all dirty with this pile of mud and then coming in and touching all the doorknobs and smearing mud all over the pulpit and sitting down on every pew and every bench here in the church and the person who comes in right after him and touches the doorknob now has mud on their hands and when that person who's muddied has sat in your seat, you have a decision to make. Either you pick a new seat, which we Presbyterians don't like to do, or... (laughs) You get mud all over your clothes. It only takes one to go out and roll in the mud for everyone to get dirty. On the reverse side, if somebody is tending to a crop and they have this beautiful garden and all of a sudden it's a successful crop and there's cucumbers for days, everybody gets cucumbers. A cucumber for you and a cucumber for me. Why? Because we can't eat the cucumbers fast enough. They're growing too quickly. But I don't have to go out and tend to the garden and harvest it myself in order to eat. Because it only takes one person harvesting a successful crop for everyone to eat of it. When we share with others our blessings, when we bring to God what God has blessed us with, we all get to partake in the feast. When that happens, eat up. Enjoy the feast. But when famine strikes... When hard times come rolling in in your life or in the lives of those around you and that are a part of your community, it will be so easy to begin to chase after the things of the world and the desires of the flesh to fill you, and the wild gourds will find themselves into a perfectly good pot of stew. So when you find that you have chased after gourds instead of chased after God, don't fret. While it's true that we can't get the gourds out, we can't cleanse ourselves of our desires for things other than God, we can't get the poisonous things out of our lives, God can. The prophets did not die when they ate of the stew. They didn't die because Elisha threw flour into the pot of stew. Flour, the ingredient used to make bread. Bread, the image we often use for the body of Christ bread, the very thing we consume to symbolize Jesus Christ. So when you chase after gourds instead of God in a time of famine, reach for the flower. Reach for the bread of life. Lift high the bread of life so that the poison might be transformed because the bread of life transforms poison. When we wait for God, we will find a harvest, a harvest that will feed and bless many. But when famine strikes in your life and in the life of your community, and you're tempted to chase the wild gourds and sow these bad desires in your heart, when you can't get those gourds out of the stew, grab the flower. Eat of the bread of life, because the bread of life transforms poison. Eat and be transformed. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we know that there are times in our lives that are times of feasting. 
We pray that we would have the patience to wait for the harvest so that many might be blessed. But we also know there are times of famine, times where hard things keep on coming, times where the community struggles, times where we struggle in our own lives. When we go out chasing those gourds in times of famine, we pray that your bread of life might transform us. Bring us back to your table. Bring us back into your presence over and over and over again that we might be transformed. For we know that you, the bread of life, can transform our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.